Joey. We'll watch. Well, we, with a sparse crowd today, um, we got a few things going on. Um, Keegan and uh, Kayla are graduating today. Yeah, they are. Um, so they're at their graduation, and a lot of the younger crowd that hangs out with them the most is, is there celebrating their graduation with them. Uh, Jesse and Zach are down in Boston, and Jesse is uh, speaking, I think, to the Boston Church. Um, about her podcast that she does. And so um, that's pretty awesome. Uh, this morning we're going to continue our study of Psalm 23. And I, I'm going to be speaking, and Brenda's going to come up for a little bit, speaking on uh, verse 2 that says, He leads me besides quiet waters. All right. So when I first read that, it, it, this is a, a testament to the, I, maybe the difference between Brenda and I, or men and women, or whatever. I thought in my head of this great thing I was going to talk about, and this great sermon, and I had it all planned out, and Brenda, like, last week was like, so Steve, have you thought about what you're going to speak about? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be speaking about how God leads. God leads us, and we need to, like, crank for God, and, and like, just go and do stuff, and... and, and I, I told her my whole concept, and Brenda's like, wow, that's totally different than when I was going to speak about <laughs> to the women. And I'm like, really? What, what were you going to speak about? Wow, quiet waters, resting, relaxation, like <laughs> meditative, like Perfect. just being with God. And I was like, All right, Brenda. Oh, I, I totally missed that part of it. Uh, to start this morning, though, I want to talk about Maybe the only one in the room that might know is the meters, but seven ways to tell if your sheep is stressed. You guys, you might know this since you're in Vermont, but <laughs> are you guys curious how to know if a sheep is stressed? Yeah, I'm a little curious. I had no idea. This was not on a spiritual website, it was on a farming website, and I started reading through them. I went, like, we're talking about shepherds and sheep and the analogy, and I'm like, I started reading through them, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, a lot of these things, these are things that I have in common with me when I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. Number one, sheep that are under stress may have apathetic responses to daily activities. Yeah. <laughs> they show low levels of activity or engagement, for example, not wanting to graze. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever felt like anything like that? <laughs> apathetic? I know Brenda will be like, hey, can you take the trash out? Can you get the dishes? And I'll be like, ah, I don't want to do those things. Number two, when in a calm setting, sheep tend to be very docile and non-aggressive creatures. Under chronic stress, however, they display signs of hyperactivity, agitation, or aggression. Have I ever had that, Brenda? Hyperactivity. (laughs) Yes. Number three, appetite provides a strong indicator indicator of overall health. Healthy sheep love to eat. They spend several hours a day cut chewing and show normal eating patterns. It is an obvious sign of stress when sheep refuse to eat or have a decrease in the normal intake. Well, that's me. I was just telling Peter earlier about not eating. I'm like, okay, I have this in common with stressed sheep. Number four. 
As we've discussed before, sheep prefer to flock together. A sheep that is chronically stressed may deviate from this intrinsic desire, such as not following closely, or may, eat, or may even be the last one to leave when the gate is open. And I, I felt this too. I don't know if you felt this during the pandemic. We, we were like warned: don't meet together, don't don't do stuff together, don't be in social activities, and. I hate to say it, but it, it kind of became the norm yeah. over the last few years. And then when things started opening up, I'm like, I felt a bit, I still do, I feel uncomfortable, like getting too close, yeah. talking to people, get, you know, without masks. I'm like, oh, how much of that is stress? I don't know. Number five, sheep vocalize, panting, or complain by their <coughs> movements or these vocalizations especially trying to flee the area is in, indicative of stress. I know we don't do that, right? We don't complain or whine. Number six, similar to humans, sheep can also show emotions. When experienced stress or isolation, sheep will show signs of depression similar to those displayed by humans. These include but are not limited to hanging their heads, having outbursts, and avoiding positive actions. Mm. And the last one, sheep spend a great deal of their day lounging, and relaxing. <laughs> a sheep that cannot sleep, well, if you know me, I've been having trouble sleeping, or relax is showing signs of stress. They may be unable to lie down or constantly wandering and appear unable to settle. So I, I say, I read those because I, I don't know, I think we have a lot of things in common with sheep. <laughs> and the Bible in a number of, of places talks about God as the shepherd. And that's what we're going to read this morning in Psalm 23. And us, the, the, um, the metaphor is like God's a shepherd and we're like sheep that need to be led. Um, but I wanted to read Psalm 23, <coughs> verse 1 and 2. The Lord, this is David's writing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie, lie down in green pasture. He leads me besides quiet waters. So what are some words, you guys, when, when you hear those words, the green pastures, the quiet waters, what are some words that come to your mind about how that might feel? Anybody? Relax. Okay. You said, did you say it? Yeah. yeah. Relax. Abundant, I think. Just kind of rich. Yeah. Yeah. More than you need. I mean, sheep looks at a field, and how could you eat a whole field of green pasture? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote down some words when I was thinking about this: contentment, satisfaction, serenity, tranquility, calmness, peace of mind, relaxed, fulfillment. And it's it's interesting because we're like Ryan mentioned a few weeks ago. We're spoiled in Vermont. It talks about green pastures here, and. I think in Vermont we could be like, yeah, so what? Everywhere we go, everywhere we look, we see green pastures. But I looked up, I was curious, so I looked up, you know, what that phrase, what's it look like in the Middle East? And there was a picture, and it basically looked like a desert, lots of rocks, desert, with some green, <laughs> green grass here and there. It, it looked like maybe someone's uncared for lawn in Vermont. Like, <laughs> but it didn't look that great to me. I was like, man, that, 
But the article said, man, if a shepherd is walking his sheep and sees that, he is like, this is awesome. And his sheep are like, ah, yeah, this is growing, you know. <laughs> They're running towards those little yeah. bits of grass that are, mm-hmm. are, are sticking up. Mm-hmm. Again, we're in Vermont, this huge lake next to us, everywhere we drive, we see lakes. Mm-hmm. But in, a, in the Middle East, with a desert kind of environment, if a shepherd is with his sheep and walking for 13 miles and then he rounds a mountain and there's a lake there, what, think about what that shepherd feels or what that sheep, those sheep feel. They're like, again, <laughs> running towards the water. But when I was thinking about this, this is God's desire for us, this peace, contentment. What's the opposite of those things? I wrote down, and again, unfortunately, these are many of the things that I feel. They might be some of the things you feel, too. The opposite is anxiety, worry, agitation, concern, fear, apprehension, foreboding, stress. Don't we all feel that? And it, I, it probably doesn't need to be asked, but which list would you prefer to like, <laughs> symbolize your life? Right. right, and and I'm, I'm going to have the expert on relaxation and peace. I say the expert, Brendan F, come up and speak. But to me, she is an expert because I am totally different than Brenda, and in, in the way that my wife, like in our old house, we had a pond that she built and I helped her build. Um, Actually, it's a funny story because she was talking about a pond, and then one day I came home, and she has a shovel, and she, <laughs> she was sick of waiting for me to do something, and then she's digging a pond. So, but she can go out and sit at that pond and feed the koi fish, and be out there for an hour, an hour and a half, and she's she's just like in, at peace. She can go to the beach and sit in the beach chair and the waves coming up and she's just like, I'm at, I'm at peace. This is amazing. This is where I need to be. I'm not like that. I'm like, I'm fidgeting. I'm like, if I'm sitting with her, I like start diddling in the sand. I start moving rocks. I start picking weeds around the pond. I, I can't sit still. And I look at her and I'm like, how can she do this? So I'm going to let her speak about that side. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to pull a Steve Neff and wing it um, for my sharing. But um, I have a couple things on my heart that I, I wanted to share with the group. And of course, you know when you're supposed to speak about something, you know, you're you're totally challenged with it. So um, I think sometimes when we think about the, the green pastures and the quiet waters, we're like, life is going to be smooth sailing. This is going to be awesome. Things are going to go my way. There's going to be no loss. I'm not going to struggle. Um, everything that I see in the world, I'm going to be in like this little bubble and be protected by it. Yeah. And that's just not true. Life is really, really hard. Yeah. And um, we go through some big things that, that challenge us. But for me, over this last month, it's been like a death by a thousand cuts. Wow. And... <clears throat> Where normally I can handle the big situations. Okay, I go into emergency mode. This is what we got to do. 
ABCD, um, but I think just, and they're, sometimes they're blessings too that, that challenge us. We move into a new house, I have our kids there, I go on a trip, I come back, like we're short staffed. And this week we had a meeting, they're like, well, we're gonna need you to work 30 more minutes a day. And I felt like I was like in the water swimming and somebody handed me a, a, a bag of rocks. Like I was like, I can't do it. And I go into an exam room and I'm like having the most adorable conversation with this cute four-year-old. And I can feel my heart start, like my chest hurt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I on a heart attack? Is something going on? I'm like, I've never felt this way before. And then my legs start getting numb. And I'm like, I look at my computer, I'm like, somebody's messaging me, I gotta go. So I walk out of the room and like I had a full-on panic attack that never had that before. And so when I think about God being there and leading by quiet waters or quiet streams, it's not necessarily that things go smooth, but I'm like, it's that God meets, brings us to those in other ways. And I thought, well, God is meeting that need because my, my coworker, Anna, um, came over and weeded my yard for like an hour. You know, little blessings like that. That, that, that brings me peace, that de-stresses me. You know, it could be a phone call, it, just, it could be just me sitting looking out my window and there's yellow finches, which bring me great joy. But I think that God brings us those quiet waters and those green pastures yeah. in small ways all the time because life is hard and we definitely need that. Thanks. So I wrote down five Well, I won't say they're steps or whatever to gain peace. That, that's corny and that's goofy. But there are five things that I found in the Bible that will help us experience this peace. And um, if you turn with me to Jeremiah 2. And keep in mind, whatever, whatever I say that's not from the Bible is my opinion and some thoughts I might have. But the, the, I, you know, just ask that any of you listening just take these scriptures and if, if you're interested about them and what they mean, just go home. I was challenged to do this when I was a young Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. Just go home and read the scriptures and see what you think they mean. Mm-hmm. But in Jeremiah 2, verse 13, says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And the, the first thing I, I thought about is God wants us to see and acknowledge our need for God. And when I read this scripture, I, I just thought about th- that this is the world today. God's, God's saying, I'm, I'm here to lead you to quiet waters, still waters, refreshing waters, living water. God says a number of times, I, I bring you living water. Jesus says this too. I, I'm here to bring you living water to the woman at the well. Um, and what, what do we do? We work so hard trying to build these little cisterns of our own creation filled with water. And I, I wrote this note in, in um, my Bible years ago, but it says, Living water is fresh, flowing, life-giving. Cisterns store stagnant water. 
the process of deterioration begins rather quickly. And isn't that true about things that we, our cisterns that we're building, that we're trying to get nourishment from or fulfillment from, they deteriorate so quickly. It could be your job. One, one week your job is the best thing in the world and you're like, ah, this is, I'm a, it's amazing. I feel so good. And the next week you, you're in tears over your job. You're feeling so bad. It could be your money situation, your 403B or 401K. As we know this week, you could be feeling on top of the world. I got money, you know. Um, and the next week, it's down 30%, 40%, 50%. And you're like, what was I basing all my, my good feelings on? Um, it could be our own self-knowledge. You know, I like to collect books and read books, and sometimes I think I feel good because I read a book because I have this knowledge. Mm-hmm. But how long does that last? It could be a relationship. It could be it could be in anything of this world. We could put all our value into our kids. I think I did that for no, a number of years. I was a stay-at-home dad, and I always said I'm not I'm not putting all my value into my kids. You know, but then. Recently, they all went away to college, and I'm sitting home alone going, what is my life about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of you that are younger, might not, that might be coming in your future, but mm. that's what I felt. And, and I, I felt almost like that was a cistern for me. Mm. Like, yeah. yep. this is feeding me. This is nourishing me. God is, God's desire is for us to go to Him for that water. And in Jeremiah 17... Verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched place of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But... Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. And I, I wrote in there, you know, next to these, I split this scripture in half and wrote, choose next to it. Mm-hmm. And pointed to the first half and the second half. Yeah. And it, to me, it's so clear. Like, what are we choosing? Yeah. Are we putting our trust in man or are we putting our trust in God? And God wants us to put our trust in him. And the benefits are so many as we read in that second half of the scripture. In um, verse 13, a, little, a few, a few um, verses after that, it says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Mm-hmm. And it just strikes me that if, if you read the Psalms, this is how David feels about the Lord. Mm-hmm. And in, in Psalm 23, it, it struck me, you know, here's David who, became, who was a shepherd, who became a king. Here's David who, as a teenager, walked up and said, I'll fight this giant Goliath. Mm -hmm. And told Saul, I will do it. I can do it. 
and he fought Goliath and won. Here's King David that led Israel to so many conquests. And yet in Psalm 23, what's he talking about? He writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Quiet waters. Like, those things wouldn't make a great movie, right? Right. If, 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 if I went to the movie, I said, I went to this movie, and you said, what's it about? It's just green pastures, quiet waters. <laughs> for two hours. You'd be like, that, sound, that sounds lame. Like, but here David, David is valuing this. And I think we value it, right? We need, we need that solitude. We need that peace in our lives. And David did. You can imagine, I don't, I don't know what happened after David, as a teen, slew Goliath. Maybe after the crowds were raising him up and saying, our, our victor and he, David, 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 <coughs> singing songs about him. Maybe he walked with his sheep to a quiet lake and just sat down and prayed to God and said, thank you, God. And maybe that's what meant so much to him, that moment, his time with God. Yeah. The second thing is God wants us to follow God's lead. It's, it's, not, it's not only just turning to God, it's will we follow his lead? Look at Psalm 40, verse 4, which is written by David. And keep in mind all these things, that, you know, the ones that are written by David or by David. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. So I think there's, I, I know there's things that we can learn from David. We're going to be talking about some of those things. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 4. Um, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you plan for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am. I have come. Which... Here I am, Hineni. Yeah. We spoke about that before. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. That's David's heart right there. He said, and Hineni means I'm present, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm here. Whatever you ask, I'm surrendered to it. I will do it. That's what Hineni means. And that's David's heart here. And, and it's interesting because this exact scripture is quoted in, in Hebrews about Jesus. Like in the Gospels, there's nowhere where Jesus is, says this. But in, in Hebrews, it says Jesus said this, which is so interesting to me. He said he named me. He was willing to pay that price. So God wants us to follow his lead. Is that as easy as it sounds? It isn't. And I'm going to give you a few examples from sheep again. We're going to go back to sheep. Facts about sheep. <clears throat> uh, sheep cannot be driven. They must be led since they have no sense of direction. Brenda told me that. I, I didn't know that. Um, sheep tend to wander. Is it no wonder that 17 times in the gospel Jesus says, follow me. He just doesn't point to people and says, do this. He's like, follow me. I think as people, I think that calls to us. We don't want someone to tell us what to do. 
And actually, when I first wrote this sermon, I'm going to add this part. This, this morning, I said, Brenda, you want to read what I wrote? And, and she, she read it. And she's like, oh, it's really good, but I would change one thing. And I'm like, oh, each of my points, I wrote, we have to. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's, I think that might stress people out. I think you should read, you should write something like God wants us to. And, and it just struck me like mm-hmm. sheep, you can't tell sheep what to do either. We get they get all they won't follow. I mean they won't they won't go because you tell them they will follow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we all crave is, is people is someone to show us, to be an yeah. example. Yeah. To walk before us. And I found this story online again about sheep. 1,500 sheep unattended. The guys were like having lunch or something, so they weren't watching them. 1,500 sheep fell off a cliff. 400 died, and the remaining 1,100 continued to run off the cliff, and they lived because they landed on their fluffy dead companions. Now, the comparison to us is, is I think we people can tend to go with the crowd. I know my daughters will, will, I'll have talks with them and they'll be so, they're just influenced by the crowd and what, what the people say on TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, they'll quote me things about Christianity and I'm like, well, you know, read the Bible for yourself. Find out what the Bible says. Some guy on TikTok that probably hasn't read the Bible <laughs> telling you what the Bible says is just it's better if you read it for yourself instead of following the crowd. Number two, sheep will do and follow what the flock does. And there's a story of sheep in a barn. And if you tie a rope again across the barn door and the first few sheep jump over the rope and then the farmer cuts the rope, the rest of the sheep coming out of the barn will keep jumping. <laughs> <laughs> they all will keep jumping because they saw the first sheep jump over the, over the rope. Sheep will settle for less. And this is like my dog, Lily. Sheep will drink from a dirty puddle when clean water is 20 feet away. And I always go through this with Lily. We'll be hiking, and she'll get thirsty, and she'll drink from the most disgusting puddle. And I'll be like, Lily, there's a stream right there. I'm like, don't drink that. But think about it. Aren't we like that as people? Instead of looking spiritually at, at the life and the, the, the things God wants for us that might be over there in the distance, we're drinking from dirty puddles. Mm-hmm. We're going to the bars. We're drinking alcohol in our homes. We're doing drugs. We're, we're just watching TV with sex on it and all sorts of stuff these days. We're doing all this stuff thinking that this dirty puddle is going to make us feel better. Yeah. True. And God says, yeah. look over there. Just go over there. Follow my lead. Yeah, yeah. Number four, sheep have weird vision. I don't know if you knew this. Did you know this, Shonda? <laughs> their eyes are on the sides of their heads. They have great peripheral vision, but they can't see what's right in front of their noses. <laughs> Can we be like that spiritually? Like spiritually... We're like, God's like, it's right there in front of you. Go this way. Follow. Jesus says, follow me. There's the spring of living water. And, and our peripheral vision is like, what about this? 
What about the Muslims? What about this? What about this religion? What about that? What about my job? What if, what if there's other paths? What if I don't have to do that? We're thinking as people, all the what ifs, instead of just trusting Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you hold to my teaching, he says, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. We're like sheep. I, I, I'm convinced <laughs> of that. Number five, because of their eyesight, sheep can't walk straight. They can't see in front of them. So to see, they have to kind of go like this while they're walking. So when you, if, you, if you follow a sheep's path, it's like this. And there's so many scriptures in the Bible where God's like, keep your path straight. Follow me. Let me lead you it, to, to quiet waters, to green pastures. Just keep going straight. And us humans are like, <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's that? <laughs> So that's, that's how we're similar to sheep. And, and like David, we have to let God lead us. We have to make a daily decision to let God lead us. How, how does God want to lead us today? Number three, God wants us to see and acknowledge our need for God's word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Yep. This isn't, isn't ascribed to David, this psalm, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did write it. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked or stand in the ways of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. And if, if, you, if you've read the Bible, specifically Psalm 119, David did write that. It's the longest, I think it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's all about God's word. And and David's love for God's word, you cannot mistake it in in Psalm 119. And here it says, But he who delights in the law of the Lord and God's word, who meditates day and night. I will say this, God's word... I'm convinced, like like four years ago, I decided I'm going to read the Bible, the whole Bible in one year. And this is my fourth year. And every year, I've, I've, right now I'm in Exodus. i got to read it through this year. I, it's been mind-blowingly enlightening for me to read the Bible through in one year and do it over and over again. Because every year, I find stuff I didn't find the year before. And I'm convinced, I was thinking about the other day, the Bible is a lot like Jesus' parables. Yeah. Like you might hear Jesus' parable, and, and the people did hear Jesus speak in parables, and they're like, what does that mean? What, what, is, what's this, what did Jesus mean by that? And even his closest disciples would come up to Jesus and be like, what did that mean, Jesus? And I think God and Jesus did that for a reason. He wants us to delve into the Bible, to sit in the Bible, to read it, to think about it, to meditate it, mm-hmm. meditate on it day and night, like it says here, and figure it out. Yeah. And some things will take years. Last year, I read something. I still want to do a communion on this, but I read something. I've been a Christian like 30 years. I read something. I've read thousands of times. I read it, and I got... I Something just clicked with me, and... I saw it after 30 years.
years, I was like, oh my gosh, this is mind-blowing to me. <laughs> and there's so many things in the Bible like that. Yeah. That it, it just, it, it's not just a cursory reading. It, it's like we have to sit down and think about it. Okay, now this, this next one, number four. To me, this is another mind-blowing thing, so hopefully you're with me on this. Is this mind-blowingly enlightening? Yeah. Mind-blowingly enlightening. Number four, God wants wants us to have the faith that produces an ironclad will. Mm-hmm. Now, ironclad will, that phrase, if you know that phrase, you probably know that phrase since you're like in a comment there. Um, an ironclad will is like, you know, someone writes a will and it's ironclad. You can't fight it, you can't break it. If someone brings you to court, the judge might be like, this is ironclad. I'm not using that term in that way. But what I'm using it to describe is David's word, use of the word will. A couple years ago, I I read that scripture about Jesus having a heart like God's. And I'm I'm like, let me do a study on how how David prayed. And I went through the Psalms of David, and I and I looked through all the Psalms. At, at, I just was looking for some kind of glimpse into the heart of David, and um, some things that I, I saw in in the Psalms was David's honesty. He always talked about his beliefs. He always talked about his past actions and what he did, um, and what God did. He always had requests to God. But here's the thing that blew me away was the I wills. Mm-hmm. In 170, well, no, I'm sorry, I got the number wrong. David wrote 73 songs, and yesterday I counted 177 I wills. Wow. So what blew me away about that is an I will statement is a decision. Mm-hmm. It's a conviction. And almost in every song that David wrote, he said, I will at some point. Yeah. He made a decision. And even in Psalm 23, someone will preach about this at a later date probably, but in verse 4, it says, even though, David wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that. David's, David's making a decision. He's, he's Gaining a conviction, and it's, he's almost to me when I read it, I'm like, is he convincing himself? Is he like both giving himself courage, like just? Um, and he even says that in the first scripture or the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He doesn't say I will, but shall is pretty close. He's 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 taking a, de- a decision from his prayer time, from his quiet time. And what convicted me so much about this is I wasn't doing that when I studied this out. Mm-hmm. I would I would say all those other things that I read, honesty, beliefs, actions, requests, mm-hmm. I very rarely made decisions in my prayer times with God. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of that going, I need to change that. I need to pray to God and say, I will. I will go to church. I will go to church early. I will stay later in fellowship with people. I will get with brothers or sisters during the week. I will read my Bible every day. Mm-hmm. I will, you know, things like that, making decisions. Yep. I will 
you know, give to the, the needy and the homeless, and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and a lot of the things David said, I will about, was praising God. He's like, I will praise you, O Lord. I will sing and praise you in the congregation. I, I, I'm just, like a lot of them are like praising God. Like how important is, God, is praising God to God, I think. I think, I think God, that's, what, that's the part, it says David had a heart, had a heart like God's. I think that was part of it. And it's interesting because I went through all the Psalms yesterday looking for I wills. The only one that comes close in all the Psalms to David with I wills is God. Wow. I found so many that God said I will. And, and at first I'm like, oh, this is David. I'm like, oh, wait, that's God. That's God. That's God. That's God. I'm like, maybe it was that heart they shared of, you know what? I will do this. That, that made God love David so much. And I, I think we could we could learn so much from that one mm-hmm. one um, change yes. in the way we pray and the way we think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you another example. 1 Samuel 17 and I just have to put this in because I, I was thinking about taking it out for time but it's just so awesome. First Samuel 17 is David and Goliath. Verse 32. Well, if you know the story, you know, this huge guy, how tall is he? Seven, eight feet or so tall. A huge giant of a guy was challenging Israel and saying, hey, send out your best fighter. Let's not all go to war, but I'll fight your best fighter and then we'll decide the battle by that. And they couldn't find anyone with the courage to fight Goliath. In verse 32, David... He's a teenager at the time. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Mm-hmm. He uses that word, will, ironclad will. You can't fight it. You can't deny it. David's like, I'm going to do it. I will do it. Saul's won over, I think. Well, not at first. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Mm-hmm. That's David's ironclad will in action. And afterwards, it says, Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. There's something powerful to a will. When someone says will, I, I will do something. You ever met someone that says that and they're so confident? Mm-hmm. I remember meeting someone years ago. He wasn't a Christian, but he, he worked in a business I was in. And he, I was like 20, I don't know, like 25 maybe. And he, in, I don't know what he was, like 32. And he, we were talking at this corporate meeting or something. And, and he, he told me, I will retire when I'm 40 and have all the money I need to live the rest of my life. And I'm like, 
I was struck by that I will. I'm like, what? You mean you hope to retire when I'm 40? He's like, no, I will retire when I'm 40. And this guy was so confident. And and, and he told me his plan. Like, he, he lived in a house with, like, six other people. He never, he said he hadn't gone out to eat for, like, 15 years. <laughs> he, he never bought expensive stuff at the grocery store. He ate mostly, like, rice and... Sounds like fun. And he, ne- he, he never had, he had never gone to a movie since he was a kid. And this guy was like, "I will retire when I was forty. When I'm forty." And and I I can't agree with the guy's lifestyle choices, but I'm like, when he hit forty, he retired. He bought a mobile home, and then last thing I knew, he was just driving around the country. I'm like, well, what if you meet a woman? And have to get married. He's like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) That that would ruin the plan. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something powerful about I will, like someone with a dream. And I think Crystal talks like that quite often when you talk to Crystal. Sometimes she talks to me and she has no doubt. She's like, I will achieve this. And you're like, all right, I believe you. <laughs> and you, you try to grasp on the people like that. Like, I want some of that. Brenda can be like that, too. She's very positive. So when we were looking for a house a few months ago, all I saw was the negatives. But, 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 interest rates are going up. But, up, uh, the housing market's so crazy. Brenda's like, we will find a house. And the house we bought, actually, I didn't think we would get it. There was a $250,000 difference between what we offered and what the guy wanted. $250,000. I'm like, we aren't getting this out. That's a huge gap. And I talked to Ryan on the phone, and you were so encouraging, bro. He was like, bro, have faith in God. If God wants you to have this house, you'll get this house. I'm like, yeah, but Ryan, (laughs) the guy wants... $250,000 $250,000 more. And he's like, bro, bro, you need to believe in God. God can do it. Have faith. You remember this conversation? Um, and I have to admit, I doubted. I wasn't. I, I hung up the phone. I'm like, well, that's what he's I don't think this is happening. And, and, um, Sounds like I'm on some mission or something. <laughs> Sounds like a Brian of all people. <laughs> but, um, Brenda was like, I'm going to make an offer. I'm going to raise our price a little bit, make an offer, and see what happens. And I'm like, there's no way they're coming down that much. There's no way. And I'm not, we're not going up that much. Brenda made an offer, and um, she gave them like four or five days to respond. <laughs> and they didn't respond. You were like, oh, that ship sailed. That's not going to happen. And on the way to church, we were like, let's, let's pray about it. So on the way, we're driving, and, and we prayed about it. And we got the, we, and we prayed, God, if you don't want us to have this house, that's cool. That's fine. We love this house, but if you don't want us to have it, it we're surrendered to your will. We pray that you make it obvious today, God. And so we're sitting in church, and Brenda's phone rang during church. And she goes out, and she answers, and then she comes back. And she's trying to be like attentive. <laughs> <laughs> I could not pay attention. <laughs> but I, I see her leg moving where Brenda's leg never moves. And she, I'm like, what's going on? Did someone die or something? And she's, she's like, see, they'll take this amount for the house. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? 
And I'm like, that's God. So we, we accepted it. But I say all that. I forgot why I said all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I, I say all that because Brenda had the, well, Ryan had the I will kind of heart and, and spirit when he was telling me to have faith. And Brenda has that spirit quite often. I'll say, but, 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 all these buts. And Brenda's like, Steve, have faith. Try having faith. But, 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 but. Quiet <laughs> waters. Yeah, quiet waters. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about, number five, is God wants us to see and acknowledge our need for Jesus. And we're going to go into communion after this. But John 10. Just a couple of scriptures here. But this is, I, I just love the Bible and how it ties everything together from yep. beginning to end. You That's can right. find these little links and ties between things. But John 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. God, part of this whole plan of God being the shepherd and us following his lead is Jesus. And I think in the Old Testament, God's like, I don't know, as as I read through the Bible every year, I'm like, man, people are stupid. Mm -hmm. I start thinking that. Like, In the Old Testament, it just gets old. Like, You know, if you've read through the the Old Testament, you, you start saying, why can't these people just obey and follow God? Like, why can't they follow? I think, I, I mean, this is my worldly perspective. I don't, I don't know. I don't have the wisdom. But I think God's like, I, I need to send somebody. <laughs> these people are like sheep. I'm telling them what to do, but they're not doing it. I need to send them someone they can see and follow like sheep, like a shepherd. And Jesus is saying that basically right here. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. And it's interesting because another fact about sheep is that sheep are emotional and they know the sound of someone's voice. And they get excited. And they know, like, that's my shepherd. He's, he or she's got food for me. He or, he or she's going to lead me. And we are the same way, us that, those of us that follow Christ. You know, I don't know if you remember when you first studied the Bible and read about Jesus found out about God, but you start it starts sounding like someone's calling you. Like it's familiar. And I remember for me I was like, it was no longer these words that I was reading on the page. It was it was like God was speaking to me, mm-hmm. saying, follow me. Mm-hmm. John 4 verse 13 Is Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman? So verse 14, oh, I'm sorry, 13, says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is offering us, he's offering the Samaritan woman this spring of water healthy, living, refreshing. 
how different is that than our cisterns mm-hmm. That's right. mm-hmm. of stale water mm-hmm. that's getting old? And it actually brings to mind a few nights ago I had um, two glasses of water on my night table. Mm. You know where I'm going? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a fresh glass of water I just poured, spring water. I don't trust my tap water. I had it there where I get thirsty at night. And I had another cup of water that was, I don't know how old it was. And I'm like, it's Lily it. does. And I got up and Lily does. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh, I'm so thirsty. I need some water. And I grabbed the wrong glass. And I drank it. And I was like, that is not good. That's like our cistern water, I think. Uh, Jesus is offering us. He's the good shepherd. He's offering us this morning to be our good shepherd, to let us follow him, to to lead us. But he's offering us that fresh water, which I think is so amazing. Um, And what communion is, is basically we take the bread, we take the wine, and we remember Jesus. We remember his life, his death, his sacrifice, his rising again. And all those things we think about in the context of he did that for me. And I say me because sometimes we can think he did that for the world. But really, if you're sitting here this morning, when when you take communion, think he did that for me. He sacrificed himself. That's right. So let's pray for communion. Does anyone know who's passing out communion? Oh, you're right. Oh, Father God, thank you so much um, for this morning, for church. Amen. Thank you for Jesus. Uh, thank you for your, your word, which we read this morning. Uh, thank you for Jesus' sacrifice for us. And I pray that as we take communion, we remember um, his life and how he is the good shepherd and he has the spring of living water. <coughs> um, I pray for all those who aren't here, Father, that you can protect them from what's going around in the world now with COVID and just that you can encourage them with graduations and with speaking engagements and all that's going on, that you can protect everyone that isn't here. And I pray that um, we can just have a great time of fellowship after communion. I pray this all in Jesus' name.